Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now here's your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for finding some time to tune in this week. I have a bunch of announcements to make as we kick off another month of episodes, so here we go. After a great March of focusing on instructional coaching, I want to remind you that registration for our Google Coaching Certification Cohort for the 22-23 school year is now open. You can find out more about the program and the time involved on our website at shiftingschools.com. We've been asked if we offer discounts for school districts who sign up a whole instructional coaching team, and the answer is absolutely. Even more of a discount if an administrator, say a principal or vice principal, enrolls with the instructional coaches. Having admin going through the program with instructional coaches and supporting them is huge. Just listen back to episode 202 on how important administrators' understanding of what real coaching and coaching cycles look like. Also, Just a bit of a hint, this is a great time of year to book me for your upcoming PD days next school year or for the start of school in August. At this point, my schedule is still pretty flexible, but usually fills up fast between now and mid-May. All I can think of is this must be the time of year when administrators look at their budgets and start thinking about the end of this year and transitioning into next year as the calendar usually goes from being fairly wide open to pretty packed in a matter of weeks. So if you sit on a PD committee at your school or on a conference committee and you think I'd be a good fit for your organization this coming year, reach out to me at jeff at shiftingschools.com or through either my personal website, jeffudick.com or shiftingschools.com, and we'll set up a time to chat and get things scheduled. If you weren't able to catch my free webinar last week on the value of connections and learning within the teacher wit community, no worries. We recorded it and it's waiting for you within the community. Just join at teacherwit.com, and once inside, you'll see the recording and a link to the slide deck as well. You'll also want to join TeacherWit as my next free webinar within the community will be April 19th at 12 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, that's UTC minus seven, and it'll be titled Using Portfolios as an Assessment for Learning. I hope you can join us live, but if not, we'll record it for you as well. Thank you to Teacher Wit for being a sponsor of the Shifting Our Schools podcast. Teacher Wit, creating an inspiring community of educators. Also, I'm proud to promote the upcoming Learning 2 conference, a conference that I helped to get started back in 2007 and still sit on the board of today. This year's virtual conference will be held on April 23rd from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. China time. That's UTC plus eight. To be inspired and learn more about the conference, I recommend two places to go. First, go to YouTube and search for Learn to Talk. That's Learn, the number two, talk, all one word, Learn to Talk. And from there, explore some of the powerful five to 10 minute talks given by educators and students over the years. And or if you are a podcast junkie, and hopefully you are as you're listening to this podcast, check out the Learning to Podcast at the link in the show notes, where my good friend and colleague, Trisha Freeman, is interviewing educators who have given Learn to Talks at the conference and get a behind the scenes feel for what the conference is like and how it's impacted educators over the years. All right, enough with all the announcements. Let's talk about our lineup of guests we have coming up for you. We got a little something for everyone over these next couple episodes. 
Today, we talk with Jack, the creator of the podcast Darknet Diaries, a very cool storytelling podcast about information and cybersecurity. I have a great conversation with him about podcasting, how he got started, and in the show notes, you'll find resources to learn more from Jack and to support students who might want to go into information and cybersecurity as a career. Next week, our guest is Dr. Gaither from Duke University, talking about her research around identity and helping students understand their multiple identities and how that leads to more creative students. And two weeks from now, we have Kyle and John Hattie talking about their research and new book, 10 Steps to Develop Great Learners, Visible Learning for Parents. I'm super excited to have them on the podcast and for you to get to learn from them as well. If there's a theme that has emerged out of these episodes, it's one of being creative and the power of supporting creativity in students. In today's episode, Jack talks numerous times about how one project led to another project that led him starting a podcast that has over 400,000 downloads and counting. And his advice to students, just start creating stuff. I hope you enjoy this episode with Jack from the Darknet Diaries podcast. And with that, on with the show. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm so excited to have a special guest with us today, something a little bit outside of our realm, but still in the realm of technology, uh, how it's impacting us in our lives, in education, and in the world today. Uh, so I'm excited to have on the podcast, Jack. He runs his own podcast. I'm going to let him kind of tell his story of how he got into podcasting and maybe even some uh, stories along the way. So Jack, welcome to the podcast. Give us a little maybe background on how'd you get into this and, and what are you doing with it today? Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, I graduated from university in a, um, uh, a bachelor's science degree with computer engineering was the primary and uh, had trouble finding a job, but then eventually got a certif- uh, certification in Cisco which got me a, a job in a, a network operations center. And then from there, I spent about 10 years working there and getting more certs and working my way up to become a network security engineer. And as I went through that, I got really interested in hacking and hackers and cybercrime and this sort of thing, and eventually made a podcast, which is what I do full-time now. It's, uh, the podcast is called Darknet Diaries. And it, I try to do almost like a documentary style storytelling way of telling cybercrime stories, basically, right? It's, it's like true crime meets cybercrime. So there's thrilling, you know, adventures and drama and excitement all while, you know, just talking about someone sitting at a computer doing, <laughs> doing crazy things. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I do now. And that's, that's the kind of short version of it. Now these uh, these certificates are did are they did you go back to university or were they certificates you did online through like Coursera or Open University or something like that? Mm. Yeah. So yeah, after like ten years after I graduated, I was like, man, my skills are are kind of lacking. I need to refresh somehow. And so I found a local school that was doing a boot camp. Oh, cool. It was a one month long training session that got me uh, Cisco certified. Uh, and I've cool. done some other ones since then, which were all one week boot camps, basically. Okay. That, um, after a week, I got another certification. I, I love that because I think that's something that, you know, 
uh, as educators and just, you know, educating the next generation, this idea that you went to university and then on top of that, you go and find these certificates, right? And they're mm-hmm. week-long boot camps, or you could do a day-long boot camp. Like there's a lot of different ways to upskill your level outside of, I would say, the traditional university system. Not always, but there's there's other avenues out there that I think we have to re- remind ourselves, especially when you get into some of this stuff like tech security and uh, internet security stuff. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, for, for educators who are listening, uh, who are trying to maybe nurture students who are interested in podcasting, uh, you know, podcasting is, is big. You do it full-time now. You make a, I, I, I expect you make a living off it. You're doing it full-time. Uh, what are, what are some maybe just insights you might have for educators who are trying to support students who are into podcasting? I think you touched on it a little bit that really what you are is a storyteller. Yeah. Well, I, I really think at my core, I'm an, I'm a teacher like that. If you, if, when you, when you break it down and say, what's the, what's the number one driving fundamental thing of why, what's your reason of doing this, right? It's, it's to teach people. And how do I do that? I, I hide the broccoli with the stories, right? And it makes it fun and entertaining to learn new things. Um, And so, you know, one of the things when I was uh, an engineer, I made like some, uh, I don't know, I promises to myself that I want to teach more people, more things. Right. And I, I could have gone to a community college and had a, you know, a class of 20 people to teach to 20 people things, but by putting what I know and teaching what I know online, now I'm teaching hundreds of people, thousands of people. My podcast now reaches 400,000 people, wow. right? So uh, on a, on a, every week, I get people saying I've completely changed my career to go into network security or, or cybersecurity. And yeah, it's amazing to have the impact uh, to, to get people into this field, to get um, people you know, learning new things uh, when it comes to cybersecurity all through storytelling. So it is wild. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to podcasting, it's a, it's kind of an art form and there's a craft to it. And it's not something that you can just sort of pick up the mic and uh, away we go. Let's let's yeah. do it. There, there, It takes time and it takes skill. But I think anybody who has that creative thread inside them and is interested should absolutely just start doing stuff. Um, you, it's as easy as... Um, there's an app on your phone called Anchor that you can download, and um, it's a free app, and you can publish your podcast for free uh, all through this app. So, I mean, it, there's really no equipment you even need at this point, and you can you can even have like sort of a phone call over Anchor to, to interview other people and stuff to yeah. make it all happen. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's as easy as it can be at this point. And then just if you, getting if you it going of, and practicing is really the, the main thing. So yeah. start early and keep it up. Yeah. And just figure out what works for you, figure out your workflow and, you know, whatever you use, you know, in post-production, but you're right. It's so easy to get started and, and to even have kids who are maybe are interested in high school, middle school, high school can get started, you know, playing around with, with this idea. I'm just wondering, like, if you think back to like your, your K-12, you know, kind of education, do you feel like you were always a storyteller? Like when you think back, like, did you like telling stories? Were you into stories? Did you read a lot of books? Like, I'm just interested in like, like, if you kind of reflect back, were you always a storyteller? It's interesting. I think, I think my dad was the storyteller, right? The way he would tell us stories, you know, he would use props around the room. Like he'd grab a pillow off the couch and act like that's a person and talk to them. And I picked up a lot of these. I just thought he was, you know, your dad is like, you know, (laughs) he's the coolest guy on the planet. And so, you know, these, these kind of feelings. So 
I was like, man, I got to be a good storyteller like that. So I picked up, you know, some stuff from him. And then of course, when it was time to give presentations in class, I'd be like, okay, first I've got to start with like an anecdote and get the crowd, you know, just kind of warmed up. And, you know, I had like this process in my head of, uh, you know, it was a fun thing and I could see, let, let me see if I can get people moved and worked up and interested and, you know, this kind of thing. And, and even at, even at work, you know, I'd, I'd give presentations at work and I'd try to do this kind of, uh, mechanics, but yeah, I think it wasn't until I started podcasting that I really got into what are the mechanics of storytelling. And, and there are some books that I read that, that really taught me how to do it effectively. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. And I love because, you know, a, a lot of times we find that when all of a sudden you kind of look back, you're like, oh, yeah, there was my dad who told the stories and I picked up a ton from that. And, you know, you can a lot of times trace that back. Uh, so cool. You have firsthand experience working in the world of cybersecurity. Your podcast has likely added to your knowledge, no doubt, I'm sure. But part of the mission statement for your podcast is to make sure that both audiences with and without technical experience come to understand and learn more about cybersecurity. Schools also have to do this for their communities. What's helped you connect as a journalist, as a podcaster, with those that have no experience in the field? Yeah, I think, um, you know, as I was as I was making this, I was trying to figure out, is this a show that's going to be for those people in the field, the one who understand the jargon and the tech? And I could just say, all right, let's just, you know, go with this common vernacular. Yeah. But I, I then I thought, no, I want the person who is living in this modern world, the one who has the cell phone and has to work an email all day and has to use a computer all the time, who is also fascinated with the hacks that are going on to be part of this, but I don't want to dumb it down so that it's like, um, yeah, here's the basics of a computer, like the way maybe Discovery Channel would just be really basic. Uh, I want to be like, look, you've been using a computer all your life. Let's just go with that assumption. And you probably know a lot more than you realize. You know what you know a lot of this terminology is. Mm. So I, I and I think it's really paid off to treat the audience like adults, to treat them like, yeah, we 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 know this kind of stuff already. And if they get lost for like one or two sentences, it's all right. I don't want to, I mean, as part of my writing style is I don't want that to be the key most important thing if you don't understand this part of the technology, you're not going to understand the whole story. No, it's just kind of like, I'm going to add in this extra bit of information in case those are those people are, who are technical out there want to know that bit, but then we're going to come back to, you know, the main story. And I, I think like the story is what matters, not so much the tech in there, but I'll pepper it with the tech to keep mm. the tech people interested as well. So I don't, I, I don't really target either side of the fence. I'm still trying to stand on the on this on the fence and say, look, if you're into tech, this is for you. If you're not into tech, this is for you. Yeah, you do such a great job of it too. Like uh, I'm, because I would say I'm probably somebody who's on the fence myself. Like I know enough tech to be dangerous not enough to be super dangerous. Yeah. And so just, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm like, what are they talking about? And the way you break it down, I'm like, oh, okay, I have enough knowledge of how computers work that I'm like, oh, okay. Now I understand kind of where this is coming from. And so. I think that's, that's really tricky. So yeah. one of the things that I had to do to get there was practice. Right. And so yeah. before podcasting, um, I was, you know, making tons of things. I was making YouTube channels. I was making just fun videos in my backyard with my friends, you know, like 
let's just do, do a bunch of creation, right? But yeah. besides that, I was blogging a lot about the technology that I was facing at work, right? So when you have a problem and you Google it and the answer's not there on the first page, like, oh no, what do I do? <laughs> and so this would be like perfect stuff to blog about, right? So now I'm explaining this technical issue that I mm. hit in the most easy to understand answer, like first let's let's describe the question or the you know problem because that's what people are googling, and then we'll we'll say what the answer is. And yeah, when I first did that, it was clunky, it was ugly. I did it a couple more times. It was starting to like make shape. Uh, you know, after five years of doing that, I had a really nice, concise way of saying, "Here's this really complex problem, and I'm going to break it down as simple as I can for you." Right? Ten years going into that. I was becoming kind of a master of that. So yeah, I mean, I had blogged for, I guess it was more like seven years before podcasting about technical stuff. And I'm oh. writing out this stuff and I'm getting a lot of, of you know, visitors from that saying, hey, I've searched all over the internet. I couldn't find somebody who explained it the way you do. You finally opened my eyes to it. Thank you. And so this is really, I think, what gave me this kind of skill set to talk about real technical topics in a way that anyone can understand. I love that. You know, on your homepage, you've shared the most downloaded or listened to episodes. I'm wondering if there's any episodes that have surprised you that you're just like, man, I didn't realize that one would be that popular. Or maybe even do you like, is there, when you look back, like you have, you know, 400,000 downloads or whatever now is uh, listeners, is there like a breakthrough episode that you found kind of shocking? And you're like, man, why, what was it about that episode? Or was, did you just anything well, about I, I I think the Xbox Underground episodes. Okay. Um, were my favorite. And I was happy to see they're on the top of the list because this was kind of like, you know how when you're, when you're doing something creative, you have this vision in your head, but then when you make it, it's like, that is not what I, <laughs> that's not how I pictured it to be, yeah. right? And so I think this episode, Xbox Underground, is something like 45 or 46, uh, that's the episode numbers. And um, it was only then that I thought, this is the vision that I finally had. This is what I wanted to, this is when I first started 45 episodes ago, this is what I wanted it to look like. And it's okay. finally here. Right. And so I, I interviewed multiple people and I had the most unbelievable story and some exclusive access to some people. And, and yeah, it's, it was just all came together in a wonderful way. That's and uh, yeah, that's the one that I was like, I'm so proud of this. This is my absolute favorite. And sure enough, it has been the most downloaded episode up until uh, a few months ago. Wow. That's great. And I love the story too. Like you're 45, 46 episodes in and we'll, I'll find it and I'll link it into the show notes so people can go and listen to it. Um, but you know, you, and I think it's so good for kids to understand is like, you're not going to hit a home run and have 400,000 downloads on episode one. That's not how this stuff works. Yeah. And, you know? and yeah, like I was saying, you know, you go back before this, I was blogging before yeah. that I was, you know, dabbling with website design and just creating anything. And before that it was videos. And before that it was, you know, whatever else. So it, yeah. it was a whole lifetime. And this is what I really think is even if you're in high school or K-12 and you're like, Hey, I want to, uh, create something, start creating. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be successful. It doesn't need to go beyond your bedroom. Just make it because that's going to give you the skills to make the next thing. And that's going to give you the skills to make the next thing and, and, and on and on. And it wasn't until I was late, late in my career that I made something that was finally a success, but I, I have everything that I did before that, that I can stand on to yeah. that contributes to that success. 
I love that. I think that's going to be the name of this episode. Just start creating. That's such a great title Yeah, uh, for the episode as well. Uh, one of the things that I, and I'm just personally interested in this too, but I think it's also cool for people is the artwork that you go, that goes along with different episodes. And one that comes to mind for me is on episode 77, you have the rendering of the Olympic torch that kind of goes with that episode. It's so cool. Do you, can you talk a little bit about how you come up with those or do you have a design team or, or like how, cause the artwork around your, around your podcast, I think is such a part of the podcast itself, right? It's so captivating. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was a work in progress for like the first 40 episodes. Like it was just me doing stuff. And then, um, I decided, okay, I better get like an artist to, to help <laughs> me out. And so I have these great ideas, but again, my vision and what's actually getting produced is not the same. So I've, it took me a long time because uh, artists either have this like creative skill that they know how to create some really cool ideas, or they seem to know how to take your idea and make it look good. And uh, I kind of struggled trying to figure out well, where's the one that can just <laughs> come up with a good idea and make it look good. Like yeah. that, they've already got jobs. They don't need any, <laughs> uh, any, any extra help. So, um, so yeah, I found one who is just fantastic at taking my ideas and then making them look good, right? So I'll scribble it out on a on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. I will um, c- come up with some concepts. I'll I'll take like a Photoshop and just make a, sort of a collage. Like, okay, let's take the Olympic torch, but then we're going to take an oil well that is burning, right? So yeah. like, uh, it's, you know, it's got this huge black plume of smoke, and the combine that, right? So now something is really wrong with this Olympic torch, yeah. and I thought that that was a cool connection. And of course, my idea was just that. And then I gave that to the to graphic designer and he he did it. And I said, okay, now let's um let's add some sort of digital element to this. Let's put some like a uh, electronic circuitry in the in the smoke somehow. Oh, cool. And uh yeah, that was added. And you know, he kept thinking, oh I'm done, I'm done. I'm like, no, I, I think we can <laughs> that. it'll make the smoke, you know, more plumage and stuff. So I, I keep giving, you know, some feedback and it and it comes back and Eventually, I'm like, okay, that's good. Let's let's go with it. So yeah, I mean, it it is a process, but I think I do all the um, kind of inventing of of the concept, and then it's the artist who kind of just executes on that. Mm. How long is your production from say recording, graphic design, post production, and release an episode? Like you run you run about a month? Oh no, well, I mean, I do episodes every two weeks, so. <laughs> I've got to be faster than that. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it takes over a week to do it all. Um, okay. some, I mean, sometimes it takes me a year to get a guest and I'm tapping them on the shoulder, like over and over, like, <laughs> hello, can we, I interview you, please? Yeah. And I get nothing. So eventually, okay, okay, fine. Well, come on. Um, yeah. But I mean, uh, yeah, it takes a few hours to record them. It takes uh, a few hours to uh, go through the tape and pull out what I want. It takes a few hours for me to write uh, narration. It takes a, an hour for me to read the narration. It takes a couple hours to edit my flubs, yeah. uh, you know, and it's just on and on. So yeah, it takes a good week and a half, two weeks. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's cool. I was just, I was just wondering, cause like it, for me, it's about the same thing. Like if people think, like you said at the beginning, like you just sit down grab a microphone and start recording, but it, there's a lot of time that goes into writing the script, reading the script, making sure everything sounds the way you want it to sound. Like there's just a lot of hours 
that mm-hmm. go into producing a, a high quality podcast. And uh, yeah, and there, there's so much, there's so much back channel stuff happening, right? Like I've got to go to a conference and I don't know who I'm going to meet at the conference, yeah. but at the conference could be the next best guest I ever have. Right? right. So just going through that, or, you know, I hear that there was someone who was arrested. So now let's start corresponding with them in prison. And maybe <laughs> in a year from now or two years from now, when they get out of prison, they'll want to give me their story. Right. So, I mean, there's just tons of, uh, of wrangling going on and, and serendipity and just other stuff that just being out there and doing stuff makes it happen versus staying and doing nothing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending time. You know, um, I do want to mention that on your website, you have an amazing resource and we'll make sure we link to it in the show notes. Uh, it's a page on your, on the website, Uh, darknetdiaries.com and it's called Breaking into InfoSec. And it is a fantastic place for educators, uh, for students who want to know more, want to get started. You've got all kinds of resources there of of ways for people to get started. Uh, And thank you for putting together that page. I know that takes a lot of time and effort and probably keeping it up does too. But again, it started started as a 40... Yeah, it started as a 40 page ebook. And, uh, you know, that's what I first got out of my head. And then I was like, well, maybe I could simplify this. And so, yeah, yeah, it ended up being probably a a five page website now. Yeah, on the website. Well, it's a great resource. And I just want to make sure and we'll make sure again that all of this is linked in the show notes for people so they can go and and look at these different episodes and especially that resource for kids who uh, might be interested or or educators who might be interested in some info uh, security as well. Um, What are your thoughts kind of like, where should we be going in K-12? Last question. Where do you think we should be going in K-12? Should we be doing more classes around information security? Do you think every kid should have some kind of like understanding this stuff, like I, I personally don't think we still do a good enough job. Like we're, we still don't even teach kids like what is a good password. <laughs> yeah. Like we don't even do that in K twelve. And I think those those are there's little skills like that that I think we can start teaching in fourth fifth grade. You know, when kids get their first Instagram account. Anything you have thoughts on? Like what could we be doing in education or should be doing? Yeah, I do. I, the thing is, I haven't been in uh, in school for a long time, yeah. so I don't know what they're teaching these days. But there is this kind of weird dynamic where parents don't want their kids to be on the screen and be there, like, you know, glued to the computers and this kind of thing. And it is addicting and and you can be stuck on that for too long. And so they want to pull them off of that. And so when schools are like, no, we want to actually show them so much more, there's so much we need to teach them about it. It kind of does create this weird conflict. But um. Uh, yeah, I think that there is just so much to learn about computers that, uh, and and as we're growing up, we're, uh, you know, as we're, uh, you know, technology is expanding and stuff, we're g- going into a world where it's just going to be so ubiquitous that computers are going to be everywhere, They're, you know, in our, on our watch, on our phone, on our, on our refrigerator, in our car, right. like, it, 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 do we want to know more about how these things work? Or do we want to step back and say, nope, it's not our problem? I, I think it's important to understand the technology around us. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but what's going to drop off, right? Cursive handwriting right. is going to drop off and, uh, you know, maybe world g- geography or something drops off because something has to, you know, be missing if we're going to be add, adding something new. Yeah. But, um, yeah, who knows? But I, I, the I, I do think that computers are, are such a vital thing in our current digital age that they absolutely should be a requirement and not just an elective. When I was in school, it was an elective. So right. I don't know where it is today, but 
still yeah. an elective. Ah, still See, elective. This... And I'm still battling. I and people on the podcast know I battle the like, why are we still teaching cursive writing? <laughs> yeah. There's other more important skills than cursive writing. Like we don't teach typing in school, but we still teach cursive writing. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's, 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 and to your point, the computers are, we spend way more time interacting with computers than we do with cursive writing on a piece of paper these days, but legacies, sometimes, you know, it's our, it's our legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our legacy and, coding in education. We can't let go of some of this stuff. I tell you, I think at some point typing is probably even going to be, I agree. Uh, you know, a relic and it's all going to be voice activated yep. or just gestures with your hands in the I air agree. or something. So it's just, you got to adapt as we go. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you, sir, for spending some time with me. I appreciate it. We'll make sure there are links to everything. Again, podcast is darknetdiaries.com. You can find it in the Apple store, Google store, everywhere that podcasts uh, can be found and played. And uh, thank you, Jack, for taking some time. I appreciate it and uh, keep doing the great work. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, all the educators out there that are teaching people. It's a, it's a great thing that you're doing. So thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to shiftingschools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep rethinking the shifts our schools need.